Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of our live Tanker and IMO 2020 forum. Today, we're hosting Frontline CEO Robert McLeod, who's going to join us to talk about their tanker operations. Frontline has a modern fleet spread across VLCCs, Suez Maxes, and LR2s. Frontline is traded at a strong valuation compared to peers, uh, which Robert sees as a strength and will give Frontline multiple options in this market. Some disclosures before we begin, I have no position in Frontline stock. However, I do have ancillary positions in multiple crude and product companies. This recording is taking place on the morning of 14 January 2020. So if you're listening to this recording on a later date, some of those disclosures may have changed. Nothing you hear this morning constitutes investment advice or company guidance in any form. Robert, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, We wouldn't be able to not have you here uh, representing one of the largest crude and product tanker companies in, in such an interesting tanker market. Um, so we wanted to wanted to kick off the uh, discussion here talking about how Frontline's positioned for IMO 2020 and how that's impacting your daily operations and whether or not there's been any sort of surprises in the market lately. Yeah, in terms of interesting times, Jay, I think you're you're, you're bang on. Uh, I've I've now been in, in shipping for for almost two decades, and uh, I must say I've been looking forward to to 2020, and uh, and we've had high expectations, uh, and a lot of the expectations are playing out. So, so we started planning for IMO 2020 back in 2017. I would say in terms of developments, uh, it's been pretty much um, as expected. Uh, we've had um, very much focus on uh, on scrubbers. We invested in a scrubber company in 2018, and uh, we now, uh, we're now we about to merge that company into Clean Marine, which will then uh, be one of the biggest scrubber companies in the world. Uh, along with uh, scrubbers, we've also done a lot of testing on fuels. So uh, we, uh, we we we're not we're comfortable with it with various grades, but we're very careful. So if we don't find the right uh, grade in on the low sulfur, we we will go for diesel. Um, a part of our plan was also to uh, join forces with um, Trafigura when it comes to uh, fuel procurement. So we've got a JV with uh, with uh, Trafigura that starts operating uh, here on the 21st, which um, basically will secure the fuel for our fleet and the John Fredersen Group um, at the right time, the right quality, and the right price. Because uh, it's very clear that uh, we're seeing a lot of challenges when it comes to um, fuel supply. So we expect uh, delays to to go up um, worldwide, but uh, hopefully we we'll be in a better position than the rest. Well, excellent. It's good to hear that you're ahead of the curve there. And I, I know it's been on your minds for, for a couple of years, as you mentioned. Um, just checking in on you, can you remind us uh, what your current uh, scrubber update process is? I know a lot of the vessels are still getting fitted as we speak, and, and also not just for your fleet, uh, but also for the global fleet at large. Uh, do you know what the current percentage of uptake is roughly? Um, so for our own fleet, it's uh, one out of three vessels, and uh, that will increase to um, to about half the fleet uh, within this summer. The uh, the luxury we have uh, of being a scrubber producer, so we uh, we own fifteen percent of the combined um, or the merged company Clean Marine. So we have access to scrubbers quicker than uh, most and at a better price. So we can install scrubbers within um, within about three three and a half months. Uh, so there are decisions to be made later this year. When it comes to the overall worldwide fleet, um, I don't have the update uh, updated numbers um, in front of me here, but um, obviously the, the number has increased. We saw a lot of ships be installed the uh, second half of uh, of nineteen. Uh, in terms of new orders on scrubbers, uh, we've, we've been very quiet lately. 
to what I expect is that um, the fuel spread, I expect to remain strong. And uh, I would not be surprised if we see a lot of orders on scrubbers in uh, in Q2 and then that the, the world fleet um, percentage starts increasing. It definitely, it sounds like there's a lot of uh, ship owners kind of holding their cards close to the vest on one hand, but also still kind of assessing the market. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of uncertainty uh, about where the spreads are going to go. And, and of course, we know the spreads right now are about $100 higher than the futures market had predicted. Of course, those futures in the last few days have been coming down a little bit in terms of the spreads. Um, how do you think about uh, that spread when you when you look at maybe that second wave of scrubbers, right? At Q2, Q3, Q4 of 2020, is it uh, is it like a $200 long-term spread, or or what? It, what is sort of the area where you say, okay, this makes sense to expand my scrubber program beyond, say, 50% of the fleet? When it comes to the spread, obviously I run a shipping company and I'm not, not a fuel trader, but uh, but obviously we have views and we follow it very closely. One of the biggest surprises I saw uh, second half of 19 was how the spread, gets, how how low the spread was in Q3. So I was uh, I was getting a little bit sort of okay, what's what's actually going on here? We, did we make the wrong call and so forth? Because I was convinced that uh, the spread will come out. So I was saying early last year that I wouldn't be surprised if we see a spread going up to $600 in, in Q1. We're not up to, to that level. So I still think certain places in the world will, will see that extreme. Uh, but I think it's playing out... Um, well, we didn't have a plan in terms of how it would play out in terms of this, we didn't put a bet on. But uh, we're not surprised where where it is. I believe uh, personally that the spread will, uh, will will remain pretty strong, and uh, I also think there's going to be some uh, ships that will have challenge with the low sulphur. That will then uh, then uh, get the diesel demand up. So I think uh, people will order when it comes uh, further into the year. But what we shouldn't forget is that if you have a VLCC, then um, one thing is the actual equipment of about $2 million. But the, low, the, the full cost of installing a scrubber, if you're not docking at the same time for, for other purposes, if you're just going in to do the scrubber, you could, you could be in the territory of 8 to $10 million. So it's a huge call. And that is obviously due to the um, off-hire costs. Uh, given how high and strong the tanking market is at present. Right. The, the total cost of installing a scrubber actually have more than doubled, right? Because it's it's the cost yep. of the actual equipment and the installation, the dry dock, but also uh, the opportunity cost, right, of, of the yes. rates that you're forgoing. Absolutely, Jay. So when we were doing installments on, on our, um, our V's, uh, some of the V's last year, then we were, we were losing, say, $20,000 a day by every day we were in dock. Now we'd, we'd lose uh, six $700,000 a week. Yeah, it's it's a it's a phenomenal shift. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in in the current spot markets and also how that translates into charter markets? Because we've seen strong and steady rates in the spot markets uh, basically straight since October, right? It's been four months straight of strong spot rates, but we haven't really seen those time charter rates come up. I mean, we've seen you know Clarkson's puts out an index that shows this, uh, the time charter rates for one year and two year, but and those have risen. But we haven't seen a lot of public announcements. Uh, can, you, can you talk a little bit about that market and, and what you expect to see there? Yeah, first to, to answer your question on the spot, uh, we're, we're seeing a slight easing uh, in, on, on the V's, and, uh, and we're seeing um, seeing the same on uh, on Aframaxes. The, the Suez Maxes seem fundamentally stronger at the moment, 
But we're not surprised. Uh, things have been very strong. Uh, they're, they're coming down from very high levels to high levels. So I think the, the overall investor concern seems, from what I've seen on the, on the stock market, is pretty high. But uh, I, I'm not worried about the spot market. I think the, the market is fundamentally looking strong. So uh, the Atlantic uh, to the Far East move is, um, is, is definitely uh, here to stay. And uh, the markets are tight. We, we see it daily in our position lists. And uh, we also um, believe that uh, there will be uh, a cold winter here further into uh, into the year. We've, in Europe, it's been, been very mild. It's uh, It's been, been the same here in the States. So uh, I think we've, we've got some uh, upside there. And um, I, I think that, uh, yes, volatile. And uh, I'm not going to guess where, we, um, where we're going to end the market in terms of average earnings for the Vs. Uh, I don't think it will be a hundred thousand dollars, but uh, if it's if it's sixty or seventy or fifty, it's still fantastic earnings. When it comes to the time charter market, I was very clear in uh, in my Q3 report that uh, we've stayed at frontline. We've stayed uh, spot on the whole fleet. We have believed in the uh, fundamentals of the market. We have believed that uh, things would get better. So rather than fixing a uh, period in the in the low rates. We have been waiting and we're seeing now rates um, increasing a lot. Uh, but for, for some, some purposes, it's more a, a sort of a theoretical uh, value because the, the liquidity remains low. It is on the rise, though. So I've been saying to, uh, to the guys in the office that I, I thought that the first half of 2020 would be extremely busy on time charters. Now I think it's going to be, um, be more, more towards the second half of the year, but we are going to see more deals uh, still the first half of 2020 than we saw in 2019 for sure. Yeah, Robert, I, I think it would be good to see some more time charter deals in the market because right now you see the spot rates and, and a lot of folks are skeptical, right? They're, they're seeing these spot rates and saying, well, you know, they're going to come down next month. And, and of course, they might come down a little bit for seasonality. But I, I think a lot of investors, especially the mainstream market, uh, just doesn't believe in, in the long term strength of this at all. And I, I think if they saw, you know, two year, three year charters being done at yeah, handy levels, say, you know, $50,000 for three years, I think uh, the mainstream market might have a little bit more faith. So we're hoping to see that. We'll, we'll see how it transpires. Uh, we, we've seen some interesting trends uh, in the spot earnings for both Suez Maxis and Aframaxis. As you mentioned, uh, Suez Maxis have just been remarkably strong for the past few months. Um, can you talk a little bit, bit about what's driving that Suez Max strength? And then secondly, um, Aframaxes are wildly out earning LR2s, right? The dirty trade is just doing phenomenally better. Um, is there anything in particular that's causing that? And, and do you think that's going to cycle back a little bit to the clean side? So Suez Maxes and Aframaxes there. Uh, yeah, so, so to begin with uh, the Suez Maxis, uh, obviously we, we've uh, we've been extremely pleased with uh, with the earnings and those. So we we have a we have 28 ships on the water, as you know. We did the t the 10 Suez Maxis from uh, Trafigura in Q3. So that market, we, we're seeing a lot of activity out of West Africa. We're, we're seeing a lot of uh, activity out of the Black Sea as well. We're seeing uh, uh, these uh, these moves to the Far East with fuel being very busy on um, on, on Suez. So uh, and also there's been been a lot of delays. So that that fleet um, has uh, has definitely been our best performing fleet uh, relatively in in 2019 and if you look at the various segments or the three segments we operate in uh, you can compare our Suez Max earnings to any of the peers and and you you'll see that we uh, we had a a stellar year in um, in 2019 um, uh, and we're also off to uh, off to a very good start this year 
Uh, over to the Suez minor, sorry, the Aframaxis, uh, we have 18 uh, LR2s of which we own. We've, uh, we're now trading seven of them dirty and 11 clean. Um, and I've, I've probably made a mistake of not going dirty on more in Q3. Um, I've been very optimistic on the, uh, on the products market coming into 2020. So far, it's been uh, disappointing, um, and I've, I think uh, this will. This will. Uh, I'm more optimistic now because there's a few ships, or quite a few ships, that have gone dirty. So I think we'll, we'll see better earnings going forward. But the Aframaxes just remain uh, performing really well, and uh, you're seeing uh, them being used for uh, a record high number of uh, cargoes here. For example, in the Baltic, the highest month I've ever seen of Aframax cargoes. It has been 77. We're going to be well into the 80s here for January. So, so volume, that's, that's answering part of the question. And um, the same goes for U.S. Gulf. Uh, the other part of the uh, answer boils down to uh, the uh, barrels being moved on Afras are moving further. So, uh, so they, they are, they are uh, just the, the um, utility of, the, of, the, uh, of this uh, fleet is, is up. So uh, very promising indeed. But again, I do think the LR2s uh, will increase here going further out of the year. Uh, and we will continue to, uh, to monitor uh, how we spread between clean and dirty. But for now, we're going to stay with 7 and 11. All right, thanks, Robert. Yeah, good color there on the splits. Of course, uh, seven and eleven. Of course, you really you wish it was you know fifteen and three <laughs> with hindsight. But uh, yeah, of course, you're still doing really well with with those seven. And then the clean LR2s are uh, all modern, right? All the LR2s and Suez Maxes you own are, are pretty much new ships. Um, how does that uh, impact your TCE results? Having those eco builds is that just a few thousand dollars, or how does that kind of play into things? And then tying that into the scrubber strategy, right? Uh, you said fifty percent of your fleet. Now is that all only VLs, or are you also installing a little bit on some of the Suez Maxes? Um, so, on um, first to take the fleet, uh, we, we've gone through a, a fantastic uh, renewal over the last uh, three, four years. We've uh, we've had uh, about thirty-five ships deliver. So we've gone from having a, a pretty high average age to having the lowest in the industry. Uh, so we're down to 3.9 years now, and um, as you as you rightly say, we we only have modern. Uh, our oldest tourist max is um, is 10 years, and most of them are between uh, between one and um, and five. So so that um, I think is playing out uh, very well for us. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, just just a kind of a follow on on the scrubber strategy there. You said about 50% of your fleet will have scrubbers uh, by mid-year. Is that mostly or all VLCCs? Or are you also installing scrubbers on some of the Suez Maxes? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, we are we are of the overall fleet. Then we're we're installing, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but on the V's and the Suez Max, we are overweight. So I think on the Suez Maxes, we're more than 50% already. Whilst on the LR2s, we only have scrubbers on two ships. So you you should you should look at the um, the fleet and say that the the bigger the uh, bigger the ship the bigger the uh, the chance of frontline having a scrubber on on board. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I, I know some companies have disclosed you know which ships had scrubbers and which ones haven't. I, I know you haven't done that yet. Hopefully, maybe in the future you'll have a list and you know kind of break down which which ones have scrubbers. That would I think that'd be helpful for investors. Uh, but yeah, it definitely makes more sense on on the larger ships, of course. And then of course, if you have fifty percent of your fleet. 
uh, installed with scrubbers, but it's predominantly VLs, uh, maybe the cargo capacity would be even higher, right? 70 or 80 percent. Uh, covered by scrubbers, so you'll you'll see some benefits there. Um, you know your your stock's been trading really well uh, relative to peers. Of course, all the all the tanker stocks have have, have uh, found a little bit of resistance the last couple of weeks. Um, are you hearing any sort of concerns in in the broad market? Uh, any reasoning why you think some of these stocks are kind of hitting a roadblock, if you will? I think the, the, there's been a, been stocks have moved uh, a lot lately, right? And uh, whether this, this this obviously one part is is profit taking, another part is uh, is the nervousness of uh, of rates falling fifteen uh, percent. But as I said earlier, falling from uh, from a hundred thousand to eighty five or, or whatever the latest will be, it's 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 a, it's a correction where you're going from from great fantastic earnings to to really good earnings, and I think it will be volatile. So uh, what I think. Uh, the, the the stocks here, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see them uh, see them uh, trading around the, the present range, and then uh, it's going to be very interesting when when all of us come out uh, with uh, with the Q4 numbers. And I'll uh, I will make sure to include uh, the uh, the scrubber um, scrubber update there. Ed. That's that's a good uh, good idea. So we'll get that in, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll tell you how well we did in Q4 and uh, and guide the Q1, and then. Companies will start guiding on um, on on uh, dividends and so forth, and then hopefully there's going to be a, a second run for this stock. So, because back to what I said, uh, my initial comment: it, this is uh, 2020. I've been really looking forward to it, and it's playing out um, uh, so far as we we thought, and uh, we are confident that Frontline will uh, have the best earnings year in more than a decade. Yeah, Robert, we, we definitely hope to see that as well and, and hopefully to see that bigger dividend as well. I think that'll bring a little bit more investor interest into the market. And I know some of your peers are also gearing up to do the same. Uh, what are your capital allocation priorities? Uh, besides, obviously, you've mentioned a dividend in the past. Uh, what else are you looking at? Are you looking at any sort of secondhand acquisitions, um, any sort of uh, mergers, perhaps, or any sort of new builds? What, what are some of the things that you're looking at with the rest of your capital? Uh, no, so we, we are constantly looking for. Uh, just to take a couple first, you, you're right. This, this, uh, and we don't have any uh, any debt that's uh, maturing anytime soon. We don't have any concerns. We have an outstanding loan to our main shareholder, Mr. Fredrickson, at 120 million. There's no pressure from him to uh, to have that repaid. So, so things are are good on that side. We constantly look for deals that uh, that we believe that will benefit uh, our shareholders. Uh, you saw the Trafigura deal in Q3. Uh, that sort of deal, we, uh, we we obviously would like to repeat, and there are opportunities out there. There are also uh, opportunities on, uh, on on single ships here and there, and and for us, it's uh, it's all about uh, us being convinced that uh, it's right for our shareholders. We we never run after deals. We we do what we think is is right, and um, that's also why we have been the only tank company that consistently has been able to use our shares effectively. And uh, you look at the history, and uh, that that's probably part of the reason why why we are priced uh, as we are. Yeah, you definitely have a, a strong premium, and it's given a historic premium the last uh, the last couple of years, actually, compared to most of your peers. And you know, Robert, we were, we were talking the other day about your stock, and you know, I mentioned that the, the stock traded at a sharp premium, and, and you admitted, yeah, we, we do trade a little bit higher than our peers in terms of price to NAV and some of those other multiples. Uh, but you argued, of course, that that was a strength. So, for the folks on the call today, do you want to kind of elaborate on on why you think Frontline kind of deserves that premium? and why you see that as a strength, perhaps. 
I think um, to take the strength first, obviously it enables us to, to do, do deals like the Trafigura deals and, and do similar going forward. And I think in terms of explaining it, there's various things we can point to, but I think I'll, I'll take the most important one first. Being part of the John Fredrickson Group uh, has tremendous benefits. Uh, we, we run a very lean uh, organization. We keep our costs down. We enjoy tremendous support from uh, Mr. Fredrickson. He's, he's been in the business for 55 years, and I, I wouldn't be able to name anyone that's been in this business for that long without going bankrupt. So, so his track record is, uh, is uh, incredibly good. Uh, as a group, uh, we are very, very strong. Um, if you asked him which uh, which company was uh, would be his number one company in terms of what he enjoys and what he puts uh, efforts towards, uh, he would definitely say Frontline. Uh, so, so that that part is um, is extremely important, and I think our track record is uh, is also important. If you invest uh, with us, then you invest alongside. There's no there's no hidden stuff. So, I think the, the clean structure is very important. Our access to finance and our low cash break even levels uh, is also something that uh, people uh, people appreciate. And um, I think this NAV focus, if, if you only look at NAVs, then uh, then uh, it's easy to, to look at frontline as being expensive. But if you start going below that and look, look at what I believe are the more important things, because uh, we're not going to sell, we're not going to sell all our ships tomorrow and uh, hand out all the cash. We're in this for the long run. So what's important is to look at how much capacity one one share in frontline how much earning capacity does that have and uh, then you'll find that uh, frontline is number one you can also look at the track record in terms of how much dividend we've paid and you'll see that the figure is uh, including um, spin-offs and uh, and, uh, and cash and all in it's more than six billion dollars so I think that track record is um, is important, and I also think it's important to see that we've renewed the whole company. We have uh, have a fleet average below four years. So so we're we're simply in a in a really good position here to uh, monetize on um, on on this very interesting and strong tanked market. And we're coming into this without having taken time to cover. We will do now, but that's then going to be locking in uh, some some really good uh, bottom line numbers instead of having done it last year or the year before and uh, and not having locked in anything. So I think we're we're really well positioned now. Yeah, thanks, Robert. I appreciate you diving into that a little bit. You you mentioned being in it for the long term, so I, I am a little curious uh, what you see as a sustainable proper leverage. Uh, for the long term and what sort of debt to assets uh, ratio that would be and, and also what sort of goal you have for the fleet in terms of you know longer term time charter versus spot of course right now you're you're 100 spot uh, because the rates are very strong uh, but what is your goal for that percentage of the fleet uh, to be locked away on say two or three year time charters and then what is your ultimate leverage goal in terms of debt to assets so in terms of um, the leverage, to take that first, we're we're now below 60. Uh, that's gone 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 down tremendously, and I think it's going to keep uh, coming down here. So I do believe that we're going to have a run here on the asset values. Um, so so that that part uh, we're, we're obviously really well positioned for. When it comes for to the time charters. Then um, we actually we do have um, uh, the percentage is probably 13 or 14 now because we we have the Trafigura ships we did uh, take back on time charter but that's with profit share and it uh, is at levels that basically lock in uh, about three million dollars uh, per ship per year so 
So that that part is uh, we, we will increase. We, we're not setting a percentage as, as such, but uh, we will uh, we will keep looking for the right deals, and we'll look at uh, two and three years definitely rather than the uh, the shorter period because uh, we believe we have good visibility as to where the market will be for the next twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, definitely understand the the charter thing. Just kind of depends on what uh, other counterparties are willing to offer, and and sort of what's what rates you're seeing in the spot market, and, and so on. Uh, just to drill drill down a little bit more on leverage, uh, you mentioned you're below sixty percent. Is is there a certain level at which you're comfortable? Is this below sixty? Uh, you think sustainable here, maybe in the mid fifties, or is that something that you want to see come down? And then sec and then drilling in a little bit more on that. Uh, you did have a related party facility with Fredrickson to help you out, you know, a few years back when liquidity was tighter. I've noticed you're paying that down. Is is the goal to eliminate that facility this year, or is that going to be part of your longer term capital? Uh, so to take the LTV uh, below the sixty uh, plus minus five percent from here, this is this is a territory we're we're comfortable with. Uh, with this um, LTV, we uh, we enjoy a uh, fleet wide cash break even of twenty. And for us, the the cash break even is uh, is the uh, is the important one. And uh, and then uh, we we play the time charter market so, so that we, uh, we 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 average it down. And uh, and then we uh, we are positioned for, for 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 the cycles. So if you look back at our track record the last five years, we were very active with time charters in fifteen and sixteen. That saved us in um, in seventeen. So uh, you look at all the various tanker companies. Then we lost uh, ten million dollars, which uh, which is a lot, lot less than uh, than the rest. Uh, when it comes to the um, loan from uh, Mr. Fredrickson, uh, it's down to 120, uh, and we will address um, address this um, on uh, the, the Q4 call. But as I said earlier, there's no there's no pressure from him. He's not concerned about this, and uh, so there's no immediate pressure to pay this back. All right, Robert. We'll we'll just continue to watch that facility, you know, each quarter. And I've noticed that over the past year, of course, each quarter you report, uh, it seems like the balances are coming down, uh, as we would expect, because that's one of your more expensive uh, sources of debt. Uh, we got some folks on the call posting some questions, and and one of the one of the follow ups we wanted to hit, Robert, is is talking a little bit more uh, about sort of the difference between LR two weaknesses. And sort of the strength we're seeing in the Suez and Aframax market, I, I guess, kind of a kind of a why, and, and maybe we don't know exactly why, but some of the details in what would be driving that strong crude market right now versus that weak LR2 product market. Yeah, to to, to go further into that, um, I think we, uh, if you look at the crude markets, then the crude flows, uh, the, the ton mile is high, and the volumes are are up. I think uh, if you look at the estimates as to crude supply in 2020, I think uh, when we when we get the the answer after the year on how much crude's actually been moving, uh, I, I think that uh, that the numbers uh, numbers will surprise everyone. So I think there's a hidden IMO 2020 effect on uh, on crude volumes that uh, that will will take people by, by surprise. I wish I could give a uh, a, a good answer as to, as to uh, the LR2 weakness because uh, I I am surprised and disappointed we haven't seen it yet i do think it will uh, uh, get better though as as more ships go uh, go dirty and i also think that there's going to be more more diesel moving and more demand uh, through the year here but uh, the, the the product market is it's very very difficult to um, to to analyze because the, the barrel needs to move not just from a to b but it needs to trade there needs to be more movements of the barrel and uh, products is actually the market I should know the best because that's uh, that was uh, what I was working uh, when I was at Glencore. So 
uh, I've been doing it for for many many years, but it's a very very difficult market to uh, to analyze. So so let's see how it um, how it develops. But uh, we should be in for for some positive surprises later this year. Yeah, thank you, Robert. I appreciate your transparency on on the difficulties of the market. I, I think sometimes uh, we get boiled down into simplicities and, and and you know a lot of hyperbole. And it's it's good to kind of see how things will actually develop in the market. And you know, product markets have been uh, for, from the investment standpoint, uh, they've been disappointing for basically a decade straight, right? It's, it's always the, the big surge is coming and then it never quite arrives. Uh, whereas crude tankers, you know, we had a couple of good years back in, uh, you know, 15, 16, and then now we're seeing some very good rates in crude and we're hoping product's going to come along for the ride. The, the supply demand fundamentals look good, uh, but we just need to see the right alignment of those. Um, you, you know, Robert, as investors are looking at, you know, the crude tanker markets and, and even products, and, and we're starting to get excited and the stock valuations are starting to lift a little bit, uh, it is important, right, to look for some of the risks or some of the concerns in the market. So as we enter 2020 and we start plowing forward, I, I realize you're bullish, uh, but what are some of the things that investors should be looking out for? What, what are some of the risks or uncertainties out there in the market right now? And I think uh, it's uh, it's extremely important to look at the risks, right? And, and I'm spending more time uh, looking looking for the potential risks and uh, and, the, and the potential black swan than than looking for the positives. Because as this market is uh, put together now, uh, we we all we've all been analysing it uh, coming into 2020. And one thing that actually worries me is uh, is how how similar every view is. So does that mean? that we're all right uh, or does it mean that we're missing something so what i'm worried about is obviously it's it's a demand dest- the destruction right uh, if you have an economic slowdown uh, that's uh, that that would not be uh, be good because uh, we're balancing on a fine line if you suddenly lose say 2 million barrels of demand then uh, then suddenly we'll go from being very well balanced from a owner's perspective to suddenly having too many ships Another thing is that um, you have a spike in oil prices, uh, which uh, which then will hit hit demand the other way, which uh, also can can um, can uh, can hit us. And these these are risks that that always will be present. Um, another one is the uh, supply side. Uh, as I said earlier, we've had a lot of ships deliver, right? So so we're part of the reason that the uh, the market was bad as bad as it was for for quite a few years. So if we have a new sh- wave of ship ordering. Um, taking place that would uh, be a worry my personal view on this is that uh, we will not see that many ships being ordered and part of the reason is that i believe we need to see the ships that uh, can deliver this year and next year i think we need to see those being uh, be, being done deals on because there's, there's still a, quite a few of those ships uh, for sale uh, and and obviously we keep a close eye on this and um, if, if you have uh, normally as a ship owner, if you can choose between getting a ship in two years or in two days, uh, we're so used to bad markets that we always say two years. But now with the fundamentals of the market, you would rather have a ship now. So I think we need to see those ships that can be del- delivered prompt on. They need to be, um, be, be sold before we see a new wave. But that, that, the wave on the supply, that's always the concern. And that's also the reason why if we do time charters, Two or three years, then then we are taking cover uh, into some of that risky uh, area. If I do 12 or 18 months, I'm not covering that risk at all.
it definitely makes sense. We're, we're looking at a plurality of factors, but uh, definitely global macro stuff in terms of demand, in terms of oil prices. And then obviously they're looking at the order book and making sure folks don't get carried away. Um, in terms of looking at the order book, and, and, and I know you're not placing orders at this time and you're not you're shying away from new builds, of course, and looking more so towards resales or other deals in the market. However, if you were placing a new build order, uh, what kind of ship would you look for, right? In terms of future regulations and, and long-term um, survivability of that ship, is it going to be you know, LNG dual fuel? Is it going to have a scrubber attached or not? Uh, what sort of considerations would you take into account if you're placing a new build order today? No, I think you, you're, you're touching on, uh, on something that's very relevant, Jay, and um, I, I should have included that in my previous answer. So part of the reason why we're not seeing that many orders is uncertainty around this uh, in terms of, of, uh, of propulsion. Um, and um, we uh, are not looking at ordering, and, and we'll, we'll refrain from that. Uh, here we, uh, the, the thing in, in this market, if, if Mr. Fredrickson goes out and, uh, and buys two ships, then you, you can be pretty sure that somebody's going to run after and, and do some more. We will focus on resales, and we'll focus on, um, on, uh, on ships on the water. Had we gone out and done something, um, we as an organization, we, we, are, we are not first movers when, when it comes to uh, energy and, and that sort of thing. I, I think we should leave that to the oil companies and, and others to, uh, to do first. So I would probably just go for, for the same ordinary ship, the same style as we got delivered in 2019. I don't think these ships will be, uh, be out, of, uh, out of service uh, within, uh, or in 10 years' time. Uh, but, uh, but this is only theoretical because we are not looking at ordering ships. Definitely makes sense, Robert. And then final nuance on that, if you were looking at, say, those eco ships, uh, but the conventional, right, conventional fueled, uh, would you look to have a scrubber installed if it was, say, a late 21, early 22 delivery? Or do you think by that point, uh, the economics might not make sense anymore? I would uh, go for a scrubber, uh, and uh, obviously part of the reason is that uh, when you when you're building a ship, uh, and also you produce scrubbers like we do, then uh, then the cost would be minimal. So, and also you're looking at the spread in 22. Uh, I, I would still be able to uh, on that spread, which which I wouldn't be surprised if it if it if it ends up being higher because it does take time for the uh, refiners to upgrade and uh, and uh, and make the the scrubbers obsolete so i don't think the scrubbers will be dead by 2022 and i would have uh, i would have put one on all right well we'll see how that develops there, there was some interesting news this morning uh in trade winds about a particular owner that had bought some vlccs and suez maxes that were conventional fuel and without scrubbers and it was definitely sort of a, a surprise if you will and and something we'll, we'll look into and, and see how that news story develops um, looking into your scrubber operations, I know you did that partnership with Fiend Marine and you have a pretty good scale on that. Uh, I know you're really busy right in, in Q1 of 2020. Um, how far out does that sort of order book of work go? Is that just until Q2 or Q3? Uh, how, how long basically just for Fiend Marine, I guess, and also just for the entire industry? Is this something that is mostly just a Q1 off hire and then we're done or does it go throughout most of 2020? So um, to uh, to remind um, everyone here on, on this scrubber investment, it's it's an investment we've we've had now uh, since 2018, and our capital cost is uh, is, is very close to zero. So we we've got now uh, 14, uh, or when the company merges with Clean Marine, we've got 14.45 percent. And um, as for all scrubber uh, producers, I uh, it's been very very slow on ordering uh, orders here the last six months. 
So um, I think people are thinking back, and I do believe we're going to have a second uh, run of orders uh, from from Q2 onwards. But the uh, the the honest truth is that uh, Q2 uh, and Q3 onwards, the the order book is is very very slim. Yeah, so if anything, uh, we're looking at that Q2 and Q3. Of course, Q3 is normally the weakest quarter and would be a fantastic time to send your ships into the dock uh, to get those scrubbers done. Yeah. Uh, but considering the order book's really thin, uh, perhaps the rates will not be very weak, right? So there, there's definitely a lot of uh, gambling in terms of opportunity cost and, and what that total impact would be. Uh, Robert, as we near the end of our call here, just wanted to ask one more time. We, we talked a little bit about uh, some potential secondhand purchases. Uh, what do you see as the potential for uh, consolidation in this sector? Is that something that we could see in the tanker sector uh, to a greater degree? And if so, uh, how do you foresee Frontline playing a role in that? I believe, Frontline believes in consolidation. Um, I think consolidation uh, is very healthy for the market. So we'll uh, keep looking for, for opportunities. And, um, and I think we will see more consolidation in the industry. Yeah, we, as investors, we, we hope to see that. Uh, I guess we just kind of have to see uh, see what happens on that. Uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about these Costco sanctions over the last couple of months. Uh, there's that, of course, that huge pop in, in October uh, when, when folks didn't know what would happen. And, and then that came back pretty quickly. Uh, now that the U.S. and China are looking to solidify their phase one trade deal, it, it's kind of surfaced again. And I think we've seen that as a, a sort of a cornerstone of a short thesis as well, right? That that once those Costco sanctions come off, uh, we're going to see rates come down significantly. Um, first of all, just looking for some color. Uh, do you know how many ships are still impacted by those Costco sanctions? And, and what do you think the impact to the market is? Is this a major deal that we need to be looking out for? So um, I don't uh, have the exact uh, number, but I believe it's 23. It's, it's, within, it's, it's within reach of 23. Um, it will certainly have an impact on on the market, and the psychological effect uh, should not be underestimated. But what we shouldn't forget is that when that deal comes comes around, then the U.S. is likely to sell more oil to or start selling selling volume to uh, to China, right? So so you, you'll see Atlantic then take Middle Eastern uh, market share uh on on chinese deliveries uh, that that is that is is uh, seems to me pretty obvious so you'll have ships come free on uh, on one side but you have this this uh, positive effect on um, on uh, on the other side uh, i think uh, overall it would probably be be still be a negative but we we shouldn't we shouldn't forget the other part of that equation yeah, thanks, Robert. It's definitely a definitely kind of a trade off, right? Because you have you said up to twenty three, and of course that's an estimate, but we we've heard that number from several sources, at least in the, in the low twenties. There, uh, those are all VLCCs, correct? And then, do do you know what those ships are doing at the moment? Or are they doing any sort of storage operations? Are they doing regional trading? Or are they literally just sitting empty in the water? In the water, you know, it's kind of hard to believe they're just sitting empty. But is, is that the case? Um, I, I believe most of them are sitting, uh, see, or, or virtually all of them are sitting empty, and um, and I think they're sitting off South, South China Sea. And um, not to be too technical, but in our industry, you need to have uh, have an approval, an inspector on board your ship frequently uh, that has has done a report, and this report will be looked at by the oil companies. This this inspection report must never be more than six months uh, old. So a lot of these ships, because they've been sitting for some time now, a lot of these ships will have have um, uh, reports that are are above that age. So, so that will limit them. So uh, so it will take time for these ships to get back uh, trading. Uh, so to conclude on on Costco, I think uh, you're going to have a near term um, uh, reaction. 
but it's it does look very healthy if you look at the um, look at the long term and you look at the number of ships that are above 15 years that number is now more than double of uh, the ships uh, on order so uh, so the, this this nice balance that we finally have, which is an owner's favour, I think we'll, uh, we're going to have uh, maintained here. It will be a volatile year, but um, we will, uh, as frontline and the industry, uh, we will average very good rates this year. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful and I've spent a lot of time uh, here in making sure that we commercially have, uh, I do make the best decisions and have the best TCs uh, amongst our peers here because it, it's, it's really important now to, uh, to optimize the fleet. Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking forward to the earnings results, and then we'll have to see uh, how the earning, or how the uh, Costco sanctions uh, transpire. Well, looks like the U.S. and China are set to uh, sign their trade deal tomorrow, uh, so we'll see if anything comes out of that. We, we definitely heard sort of the similar rumors that any sort of deal with the Costco sanctions would also uh, have to do with massive crude oil, massive LNG, and, and LPG, and other sort of purchases. So, so I think the overall impact on the long-term market, of course, would be positive, uh, but there is a sort of maybe short-term a supply impact there. Uh, as we wrap up our call, Robert, thanks again for joining us. One final question. Um, is there anything in the market right now that you think uh, folks are missing in, in the broad market? So whether that's folks that are long currently, uh, people that haven't decided to buy yet, or people maybe even that are short. Uh, what what is What are one or two things that you think the broad market isn't quite getting right or doesn't quite understand yet? I think it's the the confidence of this actually happening and being real, um, and because uh, you see how nervous people get uh, as soon as the uh, the market drops. So, so my message is that we believe in uh, in the fundamentals of the market, and uh, I had I had a, a, a sort of slogan that was introduced two or three years ago that uh, where we uh, we started saying that the, the headwinds were were turning uh, turning to tailwinds. It did take uh, take some time. But so that has now happened, and um, and now the the new motto, which I'll uh, I'll premiere here with you now, Jay, is that uh, Frontline believes this market to be stronger for longer, and uh, I think uh, the investors will uh, will uh, will over over a couple of quarters start seeing uh, dividends being paid out, and then we're gonna gonna see the the fleet balance remain uh, in owners' favour, and uh, and then we're gonna have. Uh, People, people gain in confidence, and uh, then we just have to look out for the risks as we always do, and uh, to look out uh, for for the uh, the order book, uh, and uh, and hopefully staying down. But uh, if that starts uh, starts exploding like it did in uh, 2017, that would uh, would be cause of concern. All right, excellent, Robert. We're going to stay vigilant. We're going to stay prudent, uh, but we want to see stronger for longer. All right, excellent. Thanks again for joining us, Robert. Thank you very much, Jay. Thanks for joining another edition of our live Tanker and IMO 2020 forum. We hosted Robert McLeod, CEO of Frontline this morning. This call was recorded on the morning of 14 January 2020. As disclosure, I have no position in Frontline, but I do have positions in several other crude and product tanker companies. Nothing you heard on the call this morning constitutes official company guidance or investment recommendations in any form. 